traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land. land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Tonight on the Twilight Zone podcast, we delve into another episode of the new series. This episode is actually the first episode, but we're doing it second because things got a little mixed up there, but that's okay. They both dropped on the 1st of April and we've already spoken about Nightmare at 30,000 feet, so it's time for the comedian to take the stage. But as ever, I'm not doing this alone and I have a really good friend of the show with me tonight. She was... Zira in the Planet of the Apes episode. She's read stories. She has guested on Twilight Zone Aftermath over on Patreon. Who have I got with me tonight? Hi, it's Brandy Jacola. Hi, Brandy. Hi. Welcome to the Twilight Zone podcast again. Thank you. Are you excited? So excited. I'm always excited to podcast with you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, we've not spoken much about this uh, iteration of the Twilight Zone between us. We spoke about our excitement for it, but we haven't really got into uh, what you think of it now you've seen it. So it's going to be really interesting. And I'm going to start out by maybe letting you just have the floor for a moment because two episodes dropped and there was Nightmare at 30,000 Feet and this one. So, you know, as we go through, I will probably let the guests, you know, have a little say about what they think of the season so far. The season so far is pretty short, but <laughs> if you want to say a couple of words about Nightmare and, you know, and just generally the aesthetics of the show, anything you want to say about the show so far? Well, uh, with the first two episodes that have dropped, and we did watch them, my husband and I watched them both on the day that they mm -hmm. dropped, because we thought we were only going to watch one. No, we're going to watch both of them. We're going to watch both of them. <laughs> so uh, I, the, the comedian was first, which is the first one we're talking about. And there were so many things that struck me about this episode, because it was kind of... It was kind of a bombardment to my senses, especially in the way that it was filmed and certain angles that were shot in certain ways that just there's a feeling of discomfort throughout the entire episode, which I actually liked. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. You're not supposed to be OK with mm -hmm. certain things that are happening. And and I just actually kind of reveled in those long silences and uncomfortable moments because so few people are willing to take that chance. Silence mm -hmm. is not wanted in scenes, in television. Silence is a mood killer to a lot of people, but it is a very strong tool. And so I really appreciated it about that in this uh, that first episode. I was really looking forward to Nightmare because I love Adam Scott with all my heart. Mm -hmm. And I loved seeing him in a more serious capacity and watching him unravel, uh, especially when he is supposed to be this proponent of being rational and being civil to people, and he becomes mm -hmm. completely uncivil. And so yeah. we get to watch how quickly that happens through this strange podcast that is apparently from the future. And mm -hmm. how did it get there? I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's not the point of it. But I 
I really enjoyed both episodes and I loved the way that each of them was shot. The, the, whoever the director of photography was on both of those has a really good eye for having an almost cinematic feel to something that mm-hmm. is basically an episodic show. So, so far, I am enjoying it very much. Good, good. It's a funny thing with Nightmare at 30,000 feet because watching it that first time and I thought Replay, which is the third episode, was going to be the first episode. So I recorded that. I was all ready to go. And then I don't know whether CBS changed it or the, the listings that were put out were just not right and people were assuming the running order. I really don't know what it was, but... Anyway, so we had to scramble to get uh, one of these shows done. And again, I didn't know which one was first. You know, I took a shot. I was wrong. It was actually the comedian that's really first, but it doesn't matter, I suppose. But um, so it was kind of like a kid running into into the living room on Christmas Day, unwrapping all his presents, you know, and, and like not really looking at any of them, but but just excited. And, and that was kind of like what it was with Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. And now I've had a bit of distance and a bit of time to sort of go over it because when we were talking about it, it was like, you know, Zach was like, is it a setup? And, you know, there was all these theories and I'm like, is Joe really there? And that kind of stuff. Um, But just stepping back from it a bit and just taking it a bit more simply, my own thoughts is the MP3 player is the Twilight Zone item. And that's what gets dropped in. Yes. Joe is probably a disgruntled airline employee or something who was there anyway. That's not a coincidence. That's just like, uh, you know, he stepped onto the plane. He was probably looking for an opportunity to do something. Oh, yeah. um, and, and so dropping that Twilight Zone item in there sets in motion this, this chain of events. So I, I kind of look at it a bit more simply now than I did then. At the moment, the Twilight Zone podcast is a bit of a hot take podcast because that's that's what it's going to be with a new series, which is fine and it's fun in its own way. So, <laughs> so yeah, we've got a bit more breathing room on this one, I think, though. Well, considering I do a live reaction podcast for Star Trek Discovery the day after the new episode drops, I am completely familiar mm-hmm. with hot takes and voicing my mm-hmm. opinions on them. <laughs> so I, I'm used to that. I'm used to doing hot takes. This, this is my thing. Now, before we get into the comedian, there's a, there's a couple of things that I, I just want to touch upon. Now, the next episode is going to be listeners' contributions, but um, there's a couple of listener emails that I'm going to introduce into this because there's, there's interesting discussion points on it. And I've had an email from Eric. And he says, hi, Tom, I've really appreciated the nods to the original Twilight Zone series in this modern reincarnation. One nod that I've enjoyed is to Rod Sailing himself. When Jordan Peele picks the MP3 player off the beach in Nightmare at 30,000 feet, we can see a bracelet around his wrist. The emblem on the bracelet is a parachutist badge worn by the American paratroopers during the Second World War. Sailing was a paratrooper in the Pacific uh, Theatre and wore this same bracelet throughout his life. As we all know, uh, the war had a profound impact on Sailing's writing. The thing is, and this is one of the great things about this new series, we see so much on the screen, but then someone else will put on social media, did you see this other thing? Did you see that other thing? 
But as far as tributes go, what what a beautiful tribute that is. A, a very personal tribute from Jordan Peele to Rod Serling. I think that's that's wonderful. Oh, I wish I had noticed that. But I've only watched the episode once, and you always miss things just the first time through. I'm going to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, I wonder whether he keeps it on throughout. Maybe he does. Maybe that's just his own very personal tribute to Rod Serling. I think that's great. So thanks for letting us know about that, Eric, because I don't think I'd have seen it. Also, so we can kind of focus on the story and the comedian, I'm going to separate out a particular topic that is in this episode, because on all the comments I've seen online, this seems to be maybe the most controversial aspect of this new Twilight Zone. And that is the language. They, they've made the, the creative decision that they're going to allow swearing, or, or you swearing, rather, in the new Twilight Zone. Some people are quite offended by that. I've, I've seen people writing, I'm not watching this show with the swearing in it. Other people are like, you know what, I'd prefer it if it wasn't there, but I'm still going to watch. Some people don't really care. Where are you on the spectrum, Brandy? What do you think about it? And does it have any place in the Twilight Zone? Sorry to place you on the spot like that. <laughs> oh, no, I expected this. I absolutely uh -huh. expected this question. I have absolutely no problem with representing the language that we currently use today mm -hmm. because we all swear. Even people that don't swear in their minds, they're sometimes swearing. And there have been studies that have shown that people who swear a lot are actually tend to be more honest. So mm -hmm. I feel that if you were to do... A, an episode that has the vehicle of stand-up comedy in it, and you don't swear at all, that is unrealistic. Even in even 40 years ago, that would be unrealistic. You would mm -hmm. be carefully censoring yourself. We are in an age now where we don't have to do that. The network, you know, the CBS All Access has different standards and practices as far as what you can do and what you can say in the the series that it presents. And if you want to have that creative license to be more realistic, then I'm fine with that. I am not offended mm -hmm. by bad language. None, that has never actually offended me because it's just a form of expression. It's mm -hmm. not, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I feel that if they had done this episode with no swearing in it, I would have just thought, well, this is definitely not real stand-up. This is not the real stand-up scene at all. It would have felt false to me. You know, I, I come at it from a, a couple of different angles because I know, obviously, the original show had no swearing in it, but it was almost by default a family show because everything was a family show back then. Now, does that mean that Rod Serling would have eventually introduced swearing into the Twilight Zone if, if if things relaxed at that point. You know, not necessarily. That's not necessarily the case. You know, I do sympathize with people who said, you know, I wanted to have that experience with my kids of watching this new Twilight Zone. I, I suppose I can see their point, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with that point of view. But I, I can only speak for myself. I love going to comedy clubs. I've been to, you know, many, many times over the years. And the air is blue in those places, you know. Oh, yes. The air, the air is blue. Um, and, I, and I think it would be very difficult to, to show that in a realistic way. So I can see both sides of it. But 
on a personal level, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I You don't hear her on the Twilight Zone podcast, but in my day-to-day life, if if I did the Twilight Zone podcast with the way I talk in my day-to-day life, I, I think it, you know, I would ha- definitely have to use that that rating on iTunes. So, you know, I, I do appreciate that position. For me, I, I'm okay with it, but there we go. Well, I, um, I, I have personal language that could make a sailor blush. So <laughs> <laughs> I know how to rein it in for polite company, of course. But yeah, it mm-hmm. just it just doesn't bother me. And I cannot, yeah, again, I understand why people would be upset with it, but it doesn't personally upset me. And it's more realistic. Okay, let's get into our episode of the night then when we take a look at The Comedian. First broadcast on the 1st of April 2019, written by Alex Rubens and directed by Owen Harris. Samir Wasson stands up night after night trying to sell his comedy routine to a disinterested audience. While he thinks his comments are biting commentary on the hot topics of the day, his routine is sorely lacking insight, and most importantly of all, laughs. After an encounter with JC Wheeler, a respected comedian who seemingly fell out of the limelight, Samir decides to introduce aspects of his own personal life into his routine to great effect. The audience starts lapping it up and Samir becomes hot property on the comedy scene. The problem is that any aspect of his own experiences that he brings to his routine disappear from existence and the tapestry of his life begins to unravel. Now, before we get into the uh, the episode proper, Brandy, there's a couple of interesting creative people involved with this, written by Alex Rubens. Now, often um, there'll be creative people on the Twilight Zone because I grew up in England that I won't necessarily have been exposed to, but Alex Rubens wrote Community. He's a writer for Rick and Morty, so this is one I, I really do know about. So, you know, are you a fan of those shows? I am not the biggest fan of Rick and Morty. It's not really my mm-hmm. brand of humor, but I love Community. It's probably my favorite, for lack of a better word, sitcom of all time. I absolutely mm-hmm. adore it. Although Parks and Recreation is also really up there. But yeah, I love Community. So I, I recognized his name immediately and thought, oh, well, at least they got someone who knows comedy to write this episode. Well, of course they would. Yeah. I mean, I should give them credit for that. Obviously, they're not going to have just anybody write a comedy episode or, or an episode about, well, with the vehicle of stand-up comedy. So Now, the other creative person is Owen Harris. I actually think he's a Brit. This episode looks beautiful, I think, and he is actually the director of probably my favourite episode of Black Mirror. Now, I know you don't watch Black Mirror, Brandy, or or I don't think you've seen it, but... I've seen one episode, and that was enough for me to know that it was not for me. Okay, well, if I may offer a a certain kind of uh, perspective on that, I I know the episode you're talking about, the, the first episode, and... I, you know, I'm no prude or anything like that, but it seemed to me to be needlessly trying to be provocative. It seemed a bit forced, you know what I mean? Agreed. And it's ironic, I suppose, that I've seen that criticism leveled at this version of the Twilight Zone for using bad language. But the first episode of Black Mirror, it, it feels like they wanted to shock and put something out there, and it did seem a bit forced, and... It kind of turned me off to it. 
But Owen Harris is the director of an episode called San Junipero. That's the one everyone keeps telling me that I should watch. <laughs> it's one it's one of the most beautiful and uplifting pieces of television that I've seen for years. And I think Black Mirror, it started with that episode, but it just didn't continue that way. It sort of dropped off. It was like, let's try and be needlessly controversial and, and shock people. But then that all seemed to immediately drop off. Now, it's, it's a bit of a depressing show, to be honest. You can't do a marathon of it because you just feel terrible at the end of the day. But, you know, San Junipero. So I was happy to see Owen Harris' name on this episode of The Twilight Zone. Let's keep it kind of loose and, and we'll just get into it. Starting off with Jordan Peele's opening narration. You know me. I always like to touch on the opening narration. What, what do you think of this one? Well, I, I enjoyed the very slow panning that was giving us information the entire way until we got to Jordan. And he's just sitting at the table with this notebook in his hand. And I thought, aha, that's going to come into play later. <laughs> so was that picture <laughs> on the wall that we panned by? And, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't subtle, but it also wasn't like, here, pay attention to this. So I, mm -hmm. I appreciated sort of that middle ground so that for people who are less inclined to notice those things, they might set up and think, oh, that might be important later, where the rest of us mm -hmm. are like, okay, we're going to see this this is going to be a recurring theme. So he, yeah. he sets that up right immediately. And I love his intonation. It's just perfect every time for me from the episodes that I've seen. And, uh, and if I might just say a shout out to his opening narration for Nightmare on the mm -hmm. screens on the airplane, I'm just like, mm, thank you. That was perfectly put into that episode. So it's never yeah. it's never jarring. It's never weird. It's you hear him before you see him, and then you see him sitting there at the table, just being nice mm -hmm. and cash, inviting us in. Hey, I'm going to tell you a story. So I love it. I loved it too. You know, especially if someone is there, and and again they panned across you know a section of wall, so we might not necessarily have actually been there that day or. Maybe they built a kind of half set or something if he wasn't around. I don't know. But it looked good enough, you know, good enough that it gave the impression that he was there in the scene and sat there. So I, w I was quite happy with that. Now, uh, we go into it and we have our main character, Samir Wassam, played by Kamal Nanjiani. And he's a guy, I, I think he's kind of one of these hot kind of guys at the moment. I, I can't say I've seen anything that he's been in or seen a stand-up but you know I, I thought he was great in this are, are you aware of him much i love kamel nanjani i have loved him for many years and so i was really excited that he was going to be in this episode and i mm -hmm. was glad that he got the chance to stretch his wings dramatically uh, he's been in the stand-up circuit for quite some time uh, he actually did a, a movie that I do recommend to everyone called The Big Sick, which is mm. about his relationship with how he met his wife and how they ended up together and how she was in a coma for a while. And this is all <laughs> okay. absolutely true. And just the, the expectations of his family and who they wanted him to marry, etc. And it's there's a there's a lot of of dry humor 
which he is really good at. But I, I have always enjoyed him. A while back, he and Jonah Ray did a television show on Comedy Central called Live at the Meltdown. Mm-hmm. And it was at the, the Meltdown Comics in California is kind of infamous for being this comic book shop and having this really tiny area where people started doing stand up. And when I say mm. tiny, I'm talking about not much larger than my living room. And they would do a live show. And that was wonderful because, yay, get more Camille. And I love Jonah Ray, too. So it was win win. And they would just showcase up and coming stand up comedians that we maybe had never seen or heard of before. And I was really sad uh-huh. that that show did not continue because I really enjoyed it. And I just, I don't know. I just like him as a person and I like his comedy. So I was very happy to see he was going to be in this. Now, Samia, he's not a great comedian, unlike, you know, Camille. <laughs> he's he's not a great comedian. And he, he sort of stands there, you know, the best he gets is maybe a couple of, you know, chuckles out of his audience so it's it's amazing that he's been doing it for five years and and he's in this club to be honest because he's he's not great at it but then he meets uh, jc wheeler who is an interesting character because they're sort of portraying him as a successful stand-up who kind of vanished off the scene so it's almost as if, you know, is this the real J.C. Wheeler or is this some Twilight Zone kind of being or, or whatever, you know, who who is passing on the Twilight Zone element? You know, have, have you got any thoughts about that? I think the answer to both questions is yes. <laughs> My personal feeling is that it is the actual J.C. Wheeler and he mm. disappeared when he had nothing left to give up. Right. And okay. so he was absorbed into the Twilight Zone and now is its vehicle for drawing more people into the situations, kind of testing their mettle, as mm. it, it could be said. What will you give up for success? What will you give up for people to think you're funny, etc.? And so I think that he is the real one and also the Twilight Zone at the same time. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, that cements that in my head now. I, I, lo- I like that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's that's fine. That's great for me. Um, now, the, the concept itself is that when Samir actually starts to use his own personal life almost by accident in, in his routine, then he starts to get the laughs that he's been craving. But when he speaks about those things, something will disappear uh, from his personal life. What I'm liking about this this Twilight Zone so far is I think they get the simplicity of the Twilight Zone element. You know, I I do enjoy some of the 80s episodes, but it could get a bit complicated. And sometimes it's like, that just doesn't even seem like a Twilight Zone thing. I think there's been a lot of thought in this series about what the Twilight Zone thing should be. And it should be quite simple. And it, it and it is, you know, the best Twilight Zone kind of devices are, are just dropped in. You know, people are living their lives and this thing drops in and it's just the one thing. Um, so it echoes of things like, you know, and when the sky was open. There's probably a few Twilight Zones that you, you could really say maybe it's riffing on, but 
I think it's used in a really great way and I really do like this device of when he talks about something it, it disappears from his personal life what about you yeah I like it as well but it seems to be triggered by actually naming the thing hmm. because uh his nephew Dylan I, I believe it was Dylan uh doesn't disappear until he actually says the name so it's mm-hmm. all triggered by the actual name of the thing in the case of the dog, the animal or the person or what have you that he's talking about. So it doesn't yeah. seem to happen necessarily to objects, but living things. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I, you don't have to muddy the water. You don't have to throw in everything. Simplicity is beautiful. And I appreciated it was very straightforward. This is what's happening. Now, mm-hmm. the question, the, the whole story is, what's he going to do with it? And that is the whole point of the show. And I mentioned to you earlier, which I'm going to mention now, that this didn't have to be about stand-up comedy. This could have been about absolutely any profession or aspiration in life. Because the, mm-hmm. the crux of the matter is, what will you give up in order to be what is in your mind successful? We all have Mm -hmm. different measurements of success, but stand-up comedians seem to have a specific measurement. If people are laughing, if people know who they are, that equals success. And I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think that that's true. I think that's something that's a pitfall that comedians may sometimes fall into because there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. That might be the most basic way to break it down, but there's more to it than that. So it's, it's, people think, oh, it's about the stand-up comedy scene. And in essence, it, it kind of is. That's the vehicle they use. But that's not what the heart of the matter is. The heart of the matter is, how far will you go? How far will you go when you find out you can attain what you want, but you have to give up something every time? Completely agree. You know, completely agree. And what I like about it is that every time he does it, it always moves the story on in some way. We'll talk about episode length uh, later on. Um, Someone's specifically asked me about that, so we'll get to it. But no two of these routines just sort of keep things where they are. I think it's very nicely constructed that every time he stands up and something disappears, it moves him on as a character, it moves the story on. Nothing is really wasted here, and I think it's paced really nicely. And... You said it. it's not really about the comedy scene, and I agree with that. And part of how this power manifests is that he, he will do his routine. And early on in the episode, it was when he started talking about his own life. It was a little bit amusing, you know. It was like, but it's still not what you would probably go and sit in a comedy club for. Um, but it, it was kind of amusing when he's, you know, calling out his nephew in the audience and, and that kind of thing. Now, the further it goes on, it's never really funny, to be honest. I've seen people online kind of have that as a bit of a criticism. I think it's kind of the point of the power because Samir is not a great comedian. He, he's a pretty poor comedian and he never gets any better at being a comedian. It's just that you know, once he's named the person and he's doing his routine, it's the twilight zone, it's the power that is making the people laugh. My kind of take on it is in the same kind of ballpark as yours. I think what it reminded me of is, and I'm not casting aspersions on anyone, how anyone lives their life, but, you know, the kind of social media stars, 
who are just pumping out kind of, well, what can I put on Instagram today that's going to make me, people keep following me and need that following. And you take away that platform and it's like, well, what have you got? Can you can you do that without Instagram or, or whatever? Do you actually have any talent or are you just kind of good at being provocative on Instagram or whatever? So, you know, that that's what it's kind of saying to me because Samir, he wants the fame, he wants the, the notoriety, but he, he never gets the talent to do it. You know what I mean? I agree, <laughs> absolutely. He's never funny. And that's kind of the point for me. And at the end, he's just standing there churning out names, fuel for the fire, you know? And it's not funny because he's just shouting names, but that's kind of the point for me. No, I agree. It's that That is the whole thing. He is completely unwilling to reform his act in the beginning. He just keeps... And even throughout the entire time that he's using his power, he is still starting out with the same bit mm. every single time. And the thing is, is that you you have to evolve and you have to grow. <laughs> and he refuses to do that. So when he gets a hold of this power, he, and really realizes what he can do, he just goes off the deep end. And that's what we mm -hmm. see in that final sequence is him becoming hysterical, for lack of a better word, that he is just now, he's he doesn't care anymore. He feels like he has nothing less, left to lose. He's lost his girlfriend. Uh, he's lost compatriots, etc. And he's purposely done that. Mm -hmm. So he it, it's it's on him. And there's that part of him that knows it, but that part is mm -hmm. not what's in control right now. But it's, yeah. I think it was very clear from the get-go that it was unnatural laughter coming from the audience each time. Yes, definitely. I think that definitely. was telegraphed very, very well. At no time did I ever thought, did I ever thought, did I ever think that he had suddenly just become a great comedian. It was... Mm -hmm. It was this power that that did that, and it was unnatural laughter. Definitely, definitely, and and used to great effect because some of the time you're sitting there, and the, the more obnoxious his his kind of routines get, you know, it's almost like the less funny he becomes. Because at first it's like you know the dog peed on my pizza, my nephew's texting me, and it's not hilarious, but it you know it's gently kind of amusing, I suppose. Um, so the more he, he gets into it and the more obnoxious and the more nasty he gets, uh, you know, the, the more people are laughing. He doesn't, that's it, he doesn't become a good comedian. It doesn't change him at all as a comedian. It changes him as a person, which is, I guess, a, a topic in itself. Um, because, and, and I know we're kind of jumping all over the map here, but I don't mind, to be honest, with these episodes because they are kind of hot take episodes. But... One of the things that I've, I've also uh, read a lot online is the matter of, I always talk about it, about the old Twilight Zones, when there is a cosmic justice aspect to it, do they deserve it? And this is, this is something that people have picked up on in both Nightmare at 30,000 Feet and this one. Do they really deserve it? Um, because I would say early on, when we first meet Samir, I don't think he deserves this fate, but he kind of, the road he chooses, 
he becomes more deserving of it because essentially he, he becomes a kind of murderer. Not that he actually physically kills anyone, but he wipes them out of existence and it's not his, his right to do that. I suppose the, the tripping point is what made him deserve that visit in the first place, you know, from J.C. Wheeler to kind of pass this power along. I'm not quite sure what that what that is. Have you, have you got any thoughts on that aspect of it? I don't look at it as why does this person deserve to be touched by the Twilight Zone? Because mm-hmm. I don't think that there is any kind of set pattern to it. I think that it is random. I think, oh, here's okay. a stand-up comedian. He has this hunger. He wants to be fun. He wants people to think he's funny. He wants to go to the top. So it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do tonight? Oh, hey, here's this guy. Here's Samir. Hey, send JC in. Let's see what happens. Sometimes I think that's what <laughs> the Twilight Zone is. Huh, let's see what happens. Let's let's see what kind of person uh-huh. this guy is. And I think that's what this was a test of is what kind of person are you? And he does not mm. he does not rate very highly after realizing what the power can do and what he does with it. And I kind of look at it like drug addiction. Mm. Because you try it once, and maybe you're like, oh, I do not like how I feel after the high is over. I'm never doing that again. But then something happens, life gets hard, and you want to make that escape again, and you go back to that drug. But this time it takes more to get mm-hmm. that same level of high. And it becomes such an addiction, and it it drugs literally change your brain chemistry and inhibit the ability to make good decisions. That is actually a a scientific fact. And so I actually feel a lot of sympathy for people who become addicted to drugs because of it. They get to a point where it's actually not their decision anymore. They can't make Mm -hmm. the good decisions. And that's kind of what happens to Samir. He becomes so addicted to that laughter, so addicted to that success that he just keeps doing more and more and more to get back to that same high. Because mm. having people laugh at your comedy is definitely a high. I know that from yeah. doing improv comedy. It's a high. So I, it kind of has a parallel with drug addiction in that respect, where he gets to the point where he can't make good decisions anymore. But when it comes mm-hmm. down to the ultimate ending, he realizes he actually does have that moment of clarity where he realizes what, he has done truly the weight of all of it, and he makes the only choice that he thinks that he can, which mm-hmm. is to end himself, which is sadly what a lot of drug addicts do as well. I'm going to introduce here. Um, I guess it's another. It's another one of those broader discussions about this new version of the Twilight Zone. A gentleman called Clifford Harp asked me on Twitter, and he says, "I'm curious on your thoughts on choosing the hour long." versus half-hour format for the new show. Thank you for that question, Clifford. I think that there is a general thought that The Twilight Zone works better as a 25-minute show, and that is probably based on season four of the original show, where they extended the runtime. Now, I can't really comment on those episodes because, as everyone knows, I don't watch ahead, and I'm coming to the end of season three now. So I can't really remember them because it's been so long since I've seen them. Um, but but I think the general thought amongst Twilight Zone fans is that it's the 25-minute episode that works best. But what I will say is this. 
from kind of feedback from other people there are still episodes of uh, that season four run that they like you know that they say are actually good episodes my favorite twilight zone movie is planet of the apes and i've said that from day one so this this is not me making excuses for this new show I've said that from day one. And, you know, had Rod Serling taken this in a direction where they were making full-length features, you could probably go down the years and say, okay, we'll have Planet of the Apes, you know, we'll have maybe The Sixth Sense, we'll have, you know, whatever. And when I interviewed Mark Zickry back in the day, he he came out with a, a list of movies and he said, this is a Twilight Zone, this this is a Twilight Zone movie, this is a Twilight Zone movie. Obviously, not Twilight Zone movies in name, but you could sit back and say, well, actually, yeah, I could see, you know, if you put Twilight Zone, you know, The Sixth Sense or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think it it is fair to say that maybe in that original series, the season four episodes aren't the best. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But I think just because something hasn't been done necessarily well in the past, it doesn't mean that it can't be done well in the future because that's how things change and that's how things evolve. If the Twilight Zone had stayed on the air and never went off, it would probably have naturally came to this point. In the, you know, in these days, television's changed and with the flexibility of CBS All Access being stream and, and episode lengths being different, I'm okay with it, you know? So uh, any thoughts on that, Brandy? Well... It's actually evident from the first two episodes that have been released that there isn't a set time for an episode because mm-hmm. Nightmare was what thirty-seven minutes long. It was not a yeah, full hour. Yeah, thirty something. Yeah, it was, yeah, I believe uh-huh. it was thirty-seven minutes long, and I think this one was fifty-three or fifty-four minutes long. I think it's about how long is it going to take to tell the story, and I don't think mm-hmm. that they're trying to fit within a specific time frame. They are doing yeah. a television series, so they're not going to do a big, you know, three-hour episode or something like that because that's now a movie. But yeah. with with doing serialized television, and and again, this is something that I've seen in other CBS All Access original series like Star Trek Discovery. Not everything is the same length. Mm-hmm. Sometimes something is over an hour. Sometimes it's fifty minutes. It's how long it takes to tell the story. So I could not care less about episode length. I only care about, are you telling me a story? Are you telling me a story I care about? And, 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 I, and I think this episode has actually been criticized for its length. I've seen that quite a bit as well. A lot of people have said, well, I liked it, but it was a bit long. But, you know, for me, it needs time. If anyone thinks that, you know, fair enough. It's not about saying people are wrong for having that opinion, but... On your second watch, just let it settle in a bit maybe and just kind of have the time, sit back and let it... Because I do think it's nicely constructed. Each routine moves the story along and each routine has a point. I I like the length. I, I liked being in that world for that, for that amount of time and just watching Samir unravel and watching his life unravel. So I, I thought it was great. I did too. I didn't think it was too long. And in fact, I did watch it a second time last night just to, because it had been five days since I'd seen it. And mm-hmm. it went by way too quickly. In my opinion. I'm like, wait, what? We're at the end? 
How did that happen? <laughs> it was just, it's, it seemed very well paced to me. And everything that was in it, again, there was nothing wasted. Everything that we were shown pertained to Samir and his life and his aspirations and what he was doing with this new power. So yeah, it, I thought it yeah. was, there was nothing wrong with the length for me. But again, it's a matter of personal preference. This is subjective. Mm -hmm. It's art. It's subjective. So everyone is going to have a different reaction to it based on their own personal experiences. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for your question, Clifford. It's uh, particularly relevant with this one being the longest one. So that's great. Thank you so much. Um, just one other thing before we sum up. I, I want to kind of, um, I've had an email from Joey and the listener feedback show that you will get next in the feed is is not me kind of responding to listeners saying whether I, I think they're right or wrong. It's just a platform for people to uh, to kind of put their points across and say what they think because, you know, I think this is a great event for all of us. But sometimes if there's a kind of discussion point in, I, I think it'll be fun to bring those emails, like an email over or something, and kind of see um, see what we think of it. So I've had an email from Joey, uh, a long-time listener of the show, so thank you for that, Joey. Um, and he says, it's a lost opportunity. I've not been this disappointed since I saw The Godfather Part 3. I had to force myself to continue watching after the jokes about hanging the president by his nuts. The extent of the vulgar language was disturbing and embarrassing. I won't be watching any more episodes. I listened to the producers on your podcast and they seem to be a nice bunch, but I've come to realise they are only using the Twilight Zone name and legacy to promote their ultra-liberal political agenda. The original Twilight Zone was a morality play on the distinction and consequences between right and wrong or good and bad behaviour. The producers have clearly overthought this in an attempt to bring the Twilight Zone up to date. Heaven help us if they get to remake Gilligan's Island. I love your podcast and have listened since the very beginning. Stay great. So thank you for your email on that, Joey. You know, I'm, I'm all for getting different uh, kind of points of view on the episode in. Um, I would like to respond if I may, but because I have seen comments about this with a similar view and I'm not responding from a position of political opposition, but maybe one of just a difference of opinion on the purpose of those comments in the episode. So it's not to dispute that or say that you're wrong, but maybe offer up an alternative perspective because I think in my own experience, having lived in the UK and the US, I think British comedians have a particular brand of, you know, quite biting and fearless comedy um, that just doesn't hesitate to go for the jugular and and I think there are definitely US comedians who are like that too. But I think in the UK, you know, it wouldn't be out of place for a comedian on primetime television to go after the current administration in this way. You know, maybe the language wouldn't be so choice before nine o'clock, but they would certainly go after them with the same kind of uh, comments, if you like. After nine o'clock, the gloves are off and they'll say anything, but... So, but I think 99% of the time, it is the current administration who get all of that heat. So in the UK at the moment, it's Theresa May and it's Brexit. And those are the targets for our comedians. You know, they're the topics of our time. And comedians at the moment are just going after them mercilessly. So to have Samir commenting on uh, the President of the United States and the Second Amendment, which I understand are, are, you know, current topics for discussion over there. It doesn't seem unusual to me uh, as something that a stand-up comedian would be doing. And I think 
so far as it being the people behind the show trying to push their own political views onto the audience, then if that was the case, I kind of think it's a strange way to do it because the character who they've chosen to push what you're saying is their liberal views onto the audience is a terrible comedian. You know, he's really bad at it. He's not saying anything clever or funny about these topics. And I think as the episode goes on, we see that, you know, in order to get that success, he essentially is wiping people out of existence. He's killing them in a way, and he does this for his own selfish needs. So if this character is a way for the creators to push their views onto the audience, you know, why would they choose a character who is, A, really bad at critiquing the topic they want to attack, and B, you know, really flawed and ultimately a selfish and and immoral person. So, I mean, you know me by now, I'm all for looking at the meanings in the Twilight Zone, but I think in this case, it is more about illustrating a difference, you know, the difference between his original routine, where he thinks he's commenting on what's going on in America, and his updated routine, which is about his own life. And, you know, to really sell that, you have to comment on the biggest topics of the day. And Again, I can only comment on what's going on here, but nobody comments on the opposition party. You know, the, the comedians are going after who who is in power because that's what comedians tend to do. And, you know, there might be some material on the, on, on the opposition sometimes, but in a TV show where you're commenting on those different kind of comedy approaches, it's always going to be the president. It's always going to be the main person. So I honestly don't think this episode is pushing a political view. It's just presenting a pretty realistic view of the comedy landscape. But thanks so much for writing in. I, uh, it's you know it's good to get a different point of view on here. And it's a shame you don't enjoy the show, but I um, it's not going to please everyone, is it? But thanks for writing in. So I guess, you know, we, we've been going for a little while. I, I don't, you know, I don't feel like we, there's probably so much more we can get into, but, you know, we would, mm-hmm. I, what, what I will say is this, I, I kind of watched this once and liked it. I watched it twice and loved it. I, I think this, this one's a bit of a grower and, and it really worked for me. It was beautifully shot, um, great performances throughout, great Twilight Zone device, so, you know, this this one is a really strong Twilight Zone for me. Where, where do you sit on it, Brandy? Well, there's some things I have to shout out to before I go into final comments. Number one, mm. that was the most riveting, real, low-key performance I have ever seen from Tracy Morgan in the history of ever. I did not <laughs> know he was capable of that. Well done. Oh, my Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secondly, there are some hidden nuggets of Twilight Zone references in this episode Uh, in the dressing room, which is that room where you see all of the signatures on the wall. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Dee Dee at one point is in there, you know, putting on lipstick and whatnot. You will see in a scene that first time you're in that room with Dee Dee and Samir, you'll see in a corner a ventriloquist dummy sitting on a stool. And that is the original dummy from the dummy. Wow, the real one? The real one. And this makes something else clear later. That dummy, which is worth millions of dollars, was allowed to be used on the set by its its owner, who is magician David Copperfield. No way. Way. Oh, way. 
way. <laughs> <laughs> and the Fantastic. whole and and from what I've heard, the whole thing is is he agreed to let them use it if they referred to him in some way. And so mm. that's that's where you get that line that he was, you know, Samir referring to himself as some kind of evil David Copperfield, or I can't remember the exact verbiage, but. And there's so many cute little things. Another cute little thing that I had to, I had to actually pause the 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 stream and see is that what I really saw, it, when Samir is in his phone trying to call his nephew and he browses through his contacts, there is a Denton comma Al in there. Ah. Mr. Denton on Doomsday, anyone? <laughs> So, and, uh, and one thing that's kind of less noticeable, but, um, at, on the, on the stage at Eddie's, which I loved the whole thing mm. about the apostrophe, by the way, because I'm a big fan of correct grammar and that kid <laughs> made me so happy. <laughs> Just like, I love this kid. Uh, they're, they're the comedy and tragedy masks on both mm. sides of the stage. But if you look at them a little more closely, they are... You know, I'm not going to say that this was a direct reference, but they are somewhat reminiscent of the episode, The Masks, where okay. you have to, the the old millionaire makes his family put on these masks. Yeah, they're, they're very similar to that in design. Plus, there's uh, Lasky Street, which you see in uh, when Samir is outside, and Lasky is actually the name of something coming up in a future episode. Hmm. Also, a big plane flying by, talking about plane at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. It's referencing its yeah. own episodes as well as the original Twilight Zone. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what? Well played. Well played. That's it, man. Because I, I miss, I, I probably catch about 10% of them. And then afterwards online, people are saying, did you see this? Did you see this? And it's like, man, I just, it makes me want to go back and watch them again. They've pitched this part of it so beautifully, I think. I'm looking for those Easter eggs now every time. And I, I didn't notice some of them the first time around. And the second time, I'm just like, wait, what? What? And then mm -hmm. I had to get online and find out if I was right. Cool. Okay. Well, do you want to do you want to sum up for us, Brandy? I think this one is a big thumbs up from me, to be honest. That it's been generally well received, but I really love it, to be honest. I think it's I think it's pretty great. But go on. What do you think? I really love it as well. I love Kumail. I love his performance. Tracy Morgan, brilliant. Everybody in this top notch performances. There is not a bad thing in the bunch. Uh, a quick shout out too to the skeevy guy playing the well not the skeevy guy the guy playing the skeevy promoter <laughs> saying that yeah. there was there was the person in the audience that was going to hire one of them I'm like oh yeah that is so true of what the actual business is like because i i there are comedians who actually do podcasts about what it's like in the industry and so i've heard a lot of the background stuff and this mm -hmm. is very well portrayed in this episode and obviously getting someone like Kamel to do the lead, he's going to know all of that back stuff as well. So, and I loved, I loved, again, the way it was shot, especially when um, Kamel and Tracy Morgan were talking and there were these weird angles that kind of make it, made it look like almost like a fisheye, just to give you mm -hmm. the signal that yeah, what is going yeah. on here is not natural, but we would have gotten that anyway. Beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Just, I enjoyed it from start to finish have nothing bad to say about it that's uh I, I think maybe we'll leave it there I, I do feel like we could have probably went a lot longer on this one there's, there's a lot to dig into but hopefully that's a, a good kind of overview of our thoughts now next time on the show 
it's going to be your thoughts. It's too late to get your thoughts in now on these two episodes, but it's going to be something that I'm going to be doing going forward. There will be the episode where I talk about it with a guest, and then there will be the listener episode where you get to send your clips in talking about each one. The next episode of The Twilight Zone to drop is going to be on the 11th of April, and that is going to be replay. So if you want to get your thoughts onto the show about replay after you've seen it on the 11th, I'm going to extend it a little bit uh, because, you know, not everyone can watch it on that first day. So let's have a bit of room. So if you could maybe get your thoughts over to me by Sunday the 14th, then there's the weekend there and hopefully people will have time to check those things out. Uh, Replay drops on the 11th, feedback by the 14th. Um, And to get that to me, email tz2019, so that's tz2019 at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, while you're by your email, sending some emails. As you may know, the Twilight Zone podcast has been nominated for a Rondo Award. Now, later in the year, I'm going to Binghamton for the 60th anniversary of the Twilight Zone. And I've spoke about this before. I think it would be really nice to be able to take that award to Binghamton, you know, for the 60th anniversary. So I said last time it was kind of for the show. This time, let's do it for Rod. You know, let's show our love for Rod and and kind of see whether we can do that. And all you need to do is go to thetwilightzonepodcast.com slash Rondo. That's R-O-N-D-O. And I'll put very simple instructions about what you need to do to vote for the Twilight Zone podcast. If you could do that for me before the 20th of April, which is the deadline, then I would really appreciate that. And I think it'd be a really nice thing. And like I said a couple of episodes ago, if we win, I will record a thank you video in Binghamton at a nice spot, maybe the carousel, you know, something like that, to say thank you for voting for the Twilight Zone podcast on the 60th anniversary. So... Hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll happen. Brandy, I couldn't have this Twilight Zone journey without you being a part of it. You know, you've you've been an aspect of so many different parts of the show, reading stories, playing monkeys, <laughs> apes. Sorry, not. Monkeys. I was going to say apes are, have no tails. Monkeys have tails. There's a difference. <laughs> Um, you know, over on Aftermath on Patreon. So, you know, thank you so much for joining me. It wouldn't have been the same without you being here. Well, I appreciate it. It's a privilege for me. I would do every episode if I could, and I just knocked something over. So I, in my enthusiasm, <laughs> I knocked something over, people. That's how much fun it is to do this podcast. And if people have enjoyed your contribution, Brandy, where can they find you and and some of your projects? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Brandy112. And you can also see me and hear me on Live from the Edge on the Trek FM network, which is a live reaction show to the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. There are only two episodes left at the point of this recording, and it mm-hmm. is going to be devastating to not be doing that until again until season three. But uh, we uh-huh. do broadcast live on YouTube at... 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Friday nights. Just go to the Trek FM channel and you'll find us. And uh, I do that with my good friend Bruce Gibson and a rotating variety of guests that have just, it's just such a joy to do that show. I love it so much. 
And you can also find me on the Dark Corner podcast with my husband, Dave. And we have a great time discussing the things that we are passionate about. Uh, 99.9% of them are nerdy. And we Mm -hmm. do it from a bit of a darker point of view. I will warn people, there may be strong language. Actually, no, there is strong language, most of it from (laughs) me. So if you are offended by strong language, then maybe it wouldn't be your cup of tea. But you can find that at darkcornerpodcast.com. Fantastic. Always a pleasure, Brandy. And uh, you'll be back again before this journey is done. And I look forward to that. Me too. Okay, well, that's enough from us. I, You know, I usually mention things like new Patreon subscribers and that kind of thing. I'm a little behind on that because it's just been a bit of a crazy Twilight Zone world at the moment. But if you're a new Patreon subscriber, hold tight. I'll be getting that sorted sooner and we'll have that ready to go by the next episode. So that's all from us and we will see you next time. Bye for now.